Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence. Don't sneak up on people like that. You really scared something out of me. Jim Hall here from 2953 Analytics, bringing you another enlightening and entertaining episode of Auto Line Daily for Friday, the 19th of November, 2010. TGIF. Here's all the news that's fit to broadcast with a modicum of two or of, of commentary, but who knows. As a few of you might be aware, a new automotive stock debuted yesterday on the New York Stock Exchange. It had a pretty good first day, trading with well over 610 million shares finding new homes. The stock closed with its price up a tick more than 3.6% over an initial issuance price of about $35. Of course, the stock is General Motors. According to the Wall Street Journal, retail pricing for the shares opened at $35. The stock climbed to an interdate high of $35.99 before closing at $34.19. This is pretty good performance that a company many said was as dead and as cold as yesterday's oatmeal yet less than two years ago. Even with a massive influx of capital from the company's IPO, the general is not out of the woods quite yet though. There's still issues with the funding the company's pension, some fuzzy math coming out of the financial guys still, and they have to get the perception of the remaining four brands polished way, way up. That said, the company's in the right place to take advantage of a slowly strengthening economy. And this brings us to one of the core issues of the GM IPO, the valuation of the stock. After its first day of trading since entering bankruptcy, the stock closed at the aforementioned $34.19 a share, and that price is puzzling, to me at least. Compare GM's share price to that of the last automaker to have an IPO, Tesla Motors. Also yesterday, Tesla closed the day at $29.89 a share, so only $4.30 less than General Motors. Yet Tesla has yet to fully engineer or manufacture a single car. I know about the Roadster, but it's a case of assembling a car from a series of commodities. I don't want to sound like I'm ragging on Tesla, but something is seriously wrong with the street when the two companies are valued so closely. Using Wall Street's absolute favorite valuation for a company market capitalization, which is the value of the issued stock, at the close of trading yesterday, Tesla had a value of $2.76 billion. For comparison, GM's market cap was $51.3 billion. For the third quarter of 2010, GM was able to turn a profit of $2 billion. For the same period, Tesla posted a $34.9 million loss. Look, either GM is grossly undervalued or Tesla stock is selling for way more than it should. And whatever you do, do not get me started on Ford's stock price. I just don't get it. If GM turns a fourth quarter profit of, say, half what it did for the previous period, it should just go buy Tesla and be done with it. Won't happen, though. Enough of my coffee-fueled rant. Now it's time for news. While the bailout of General Motors and Chrysler created a lot of controversy, a new study from the Center of Automotive Research shows just how important it was to help the companies out. Researchers modeled the impact of the $80 billion in USAID to Chrysler, GM, GMAC, and Chrysler Financial using actual economic performance for 2009 and 2010. In 2009 alone, over 1.1 million jobs were saved and more than 300,000 saved this year by the bailout. To date, $13.4 billion of this money has been repaid to the government. The study shows that $28.6 billion in net losses to the U.S. Treasury were averted by providing assistance to both GM and Chrysler. So that means the government, i.e. we taxpayer, only need to recoup about $38 billion at this time to break even. A mere bagatelle. The study, by the way, was conducted before GM's IPO. Could Toyota actually be growing a pair? The company had been lambasted for a year or so from all sides for its alleged unintended acceleration problem. CEO Akio Toyota apologized and appeared before Congress. The company put out a slew of print and television advertisements promoting how hard it's working to keep customers safe, and it comprehensively reviewed its vehicles. It's all for nothing, though. 
they found no problems that point to an electronic cause of unintended acceleration. Now, according to the Wall Street Journal, one of its lawyers is blaming drivers for crashes. Finally, the lawyer said most of the 48 deaths a safety expert attributed to sudden acceleration involved drivers who were elderly, who may have had medical issues, and were distracted or driving on slippery roads. The company probably won't fall as hard as Audi did in 1989, but still, we can expect this to drag out in the courts for years to come. If only Americans took responsibility for their actions, as I do. Sorry. It looks like GM got a hit in its hands, at least with the motoring press. A couple of days ago, the Chevy Volt was awarded Motor Trend Magazine's Golden Calipers, winning the annual Car of the Year competition. Yesterday at the Los Angeles Auto Show, the extended range electric took home another victory, that being in the 2011 Green Car of the Year from the folks at Green Car Journal. The Volt is on a roll, and I say watch it rake in a few more wins like these in the future. In fact, you can put me on the record for this. I predict it will win the North American Car of the Year award as well. It's a great EV that's actually a real car you can live with every day. As one of the Motor Trend Car of the Year judges put it, I expected a science fair experiment, but this is a moonshot. Be careful, Volkswagen. Don't let your reach exceed your grasp. Bloomberg reports that the German automaker is investing nearly 52 billion euros, that's billion with a B, in its automotive business over the next five years. Uh, in US funds, for our American audience, that's almost $71 billion. You don't need me to tell you, it is a lot of money. The push is to help fund a product offensive from the company's nine brands, with the singular goal of surpassing Toyota in sales and profitability. Volkswagen Group is aiming to sell more than 8 million cars by 2012, and 10 million as early as 2015. Now we car enthusiasts know how big a role the auto industry plays in local economies and the world at large. But some people view the business as an obsolete dinosaur of the Rust Belt. Perhaps in an effort to silence these critics, GM will host open house events at all 54 of its US manufacturing facilities, assembly facilities, and after sales parts warehouses. And this will be done by the end of calendar year 2011. The idea is to give the American public an opportunity to learn about its products and its plants, the place that it has in the local communities. This is really kind of cool. I'm not aware of any other manufacturer that's tried something on this scope ever before. It'll be interesting to see how the public reacts to this and if they actually do realize the auto industry is everywhere and it's important. You guys all know the routine. After the break, we're going to preview this week's episode of AutoLine Detroit. So go nowhere and get that cursor away from the browser's back button now. Stop it! Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. This week on Our Line Detroit, John is joined in the studio with Elisa Priddle from the Detroit News and by Tim Higgins from Bloomberg. His special guest is Laura Suave, the president and CEO of Fiat North America. In the following clip, he asks her about one of the big changes the company had to make to the 500 in order to sell it in the United States. And I also understand that in Europe, the Cinquecento is not sold with an automatic transmission. Correct. Most Americans don't know how to drive a manual, so you must have adjusted this car for North America. We had to. That was, again, one of the biggest things. It's perfect because we're starting with a great product, but there's some considerations that we had to make making sure that it's going to be successful for the U.S. consumer. We have different driving habits, and one of them is we like our automatics. Um, so we worked really hard, and we developed a six-speed automatic transmission that is going to be available here in the United States. Um, along with that transmission, we had to add armrests because when you're shifting, you're using your right hand. When you're not, there's kind of like this empty space and you're not sure what to do with it. And there's just a lot of other little things in the vehicle that we've done um, to make sure, again, it is perfectly built for the U.S. consumer. 
For more about Fiat's plans in the U.S. market, swing by our website, AutolineDetroit.tv, where you can watch this week's entire episode immediately, like, like right now, or as soon as you're done with this, which is coming soon because like all good things, today's installment of AutoLine Daily must also come to an end. Once more, I'm Jim Hall from 2953 Analytics. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you around. Bye-bye.